Before I say anything, I'd like to say that I really have enjoyed my time of being here at Capital City and being the intern. Um, I have, ever since I started college, I felt like the Lord wanted me to do stuff here, and I never really got the opportunity. My first summer, I traveled the nation preaching and doing revivals with Neighborhood Bible Time, uh, an evangelist program. My second summer, I tried to work camp in Texas, almost died, came back and helped Eli remodel his house. And now this summer, um, I guess the last summer before I graduate, the Lord has blessed me with being able to uh, get to know some of you better. I know there's some people uh, that I really didn't know because of college, but even uh, they grew to have a sweet spirit with me, and I thank you for that opportunity. I'd like to pray. Um, Eli had mentioned to me that he felt like there was just, like the devil was fighting us. You know, we went on the bus route, and uh, we had like one kid show up on the bus, so we took her back home because we didn't want one girl on the bus with four men. And uh, just to be honest with you, I've felt the same way today, that the devil has really been fighting us. Opportunity to preach. I thank you so much for this wonderful church and that they uphold your name. And I pray that that would continue. Lord, I pray that if there be sin in me, if there be sin in the faculty, if there be sin anywhere in the building, that you would take it out. And Lord, I pray that if there be a breach in this place, if there be a breach like in the book of Isaiah that something is creeping into and trying to fight us, if we have done something, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of it and that you would cleanse that breach. I pray that tonight your spirit would be the only spirit that is allowed in here tonight. Lord, I pray that it would be Holy Spirit calling upon Holy Spirit as I teach through you, and as they listen through you, I pray that it would be deep, calling upon deep, as the Bible says. Amen. I wanted to give you this verse. I noticed, you know, we had a little bit of people here today. And, you know, there's a lot of people on vacation. A lot of people on vacation. Uh, but this verse in Matthew 18, this doesn't have anything to do with my message. But Matthew 18 and verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You see, I could have prayed that Christ would be in the midst of us tonight, but I don't have to pray about that because the Bible tells us that He is. Is there two or three gathered together in His name? I believe so. That means that we don't have to pray that His Spirit will be here or that Christ will be here. He is here. So let's remember that tonight. As, I, as um, we get going, I, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, just like what Eli said with his message, uh, the Sunday morning service, I think this is more of a, a teaching thing, which is kind of strange, because me and Eli, we never coordinate messages. We never talk about what we're going to talk about beforehand. Uh, but I think this is very on point with where Travis was this morning and where Eli was also this morning. So if you're with me there in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The first word that I see, uh, we're going to skip therefore, the first word that I see in this text is if. If any man be in Christ. Now that word if, it, it kind of paints a picture for us in a way. To me it kind of paints the picture of somebody walking a path and then they come on a cliff face. One that they can't go around, one that they can't go under, they have to climb it if they're going to make it up. But the thing is, is that when a wall gets too steep, you have to have the right equipment. You have to have the requirements 
for the journey. That's what that word if shows us a picture of, that there is requirements that need to be met. And if they are, then we can continue to our destination. And if they aren't, then we're not going to be able to continue. So before I go anywhere into the deeper things of the Spirit tonight, by His Spirit, we need to figure out if you and I have the requirements. The first requirement says, if any man... This one's easy. The first requirement to reach the destination that we're going toward, or the truth that we're going for tonight, are you a person? Are you a person? Yes, I hope so. See, God did not design His truths to just be for one kind of people. He didn't design His truths to just be for white people, or black people, or Jewish people, or poor people, or rich people. He didn't design it for just a select group of people. He didn't design His deeper truths for a preacher. He didn't design His deeper truths just for some uh, woman that has a sweet spirit of God upon her. He designed His truths to be accessible to every single one of us if we meet the next requirement. It says, if any man be in Christ. The second requirement is, are you saved? I know I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd, but I'd be a fool to believe that every time uh, that every person that goes to Sunday night is saved. I know when I was younger, I went to Sunday night. Maybe I was dragged there. Maybe I loved coming there. Sometimes it was both. Uh, but not all of us. Um, there's probably one of us at least somewhere that's not saved tonight. Sure. Now, there are a lot of different ways to salvation, at least how the world says there is. But the Bible says there's only one. And if Jesus Christ truly is the truth and the way, I believe that He would say what the one way is. And He does. In Mark 1.15, the Bible says, this is Jesus speaking, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Listen to this. He said, repent ye and believe the gospel. Jesus Christ Himself said, repent and believe the gospel. To get this second requirement, to be saved, there are only two things that you must do. The first thing is to repent of your sin. What that means is to understand that you and I have done wrong in the eyes of God. Now, I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, already know that. I mean, I've lied in my life. I've stolen things in my life. I've disrespected my parents. My mom can say amen to that in the back tonight. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the real thing is, have you believed the gospel? Paul, I'm not going to go there for sake of time, but Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, what the gospel is. He said, you have to believe these three things. You have to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, before we get any deeper, I want you to consider this. Consider the mountain that we're about to pass and see if you have this requirement. Do you believe that Christ died to pay for all the wrong things that you have ever done or thought? Do you believe that? I know we say that, but do we believe it? Do you personally believe it? Do you believe that Christ was buried to show us that that, that payment for our sin was truly paid for? Do you believe that His death actually happened that He was actually buried and He actually paid for your sin. Because if you don't, if we don't have the if, if we don't have the requirement tonight, you can't go any farther into the Bible. You can't go any farther in the Holy Spirit if you don't believe those things. And the third thing, 
Christ came back to life to show you and I that He had power over death and that He can give us eternal life. So, are you a person? I hope so. I hope everybody in here is a person tonight. Secondly, have you believed in the gospel? Do you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Him with your whole heart? Have you depended upon Him for your salvation? Now, if you have both of those requirements, which I'm praying that all of us uh, in this room do have, then there's something great that happens. The Bible says that if, says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So we talked about the requirements. Now, what is this truth? What is this destination that God wants us to get to? Well, the first phrase, the Bible says, our King James says, He is. He is. What it's saying there is the person that has accepted Christ, the person that meets the requirements, is different in that very moment. Notice our Bible does not say that He will be a new creature. It doesn't say He might be a new creature. He doesn't say if he gets saved and then goes to church, he's a new creature. He doesn't say if you live a good life, you'll be a new creature. He doesn't say he shall one day be a new creature. The Bible says it very clearly. Our King James says he is. What that teaches us is that if we meet the requirements, if we are saved, then we are a new creature. And what that, ver what that word creature means, I, I heard a preacher say this one time, God's not saying that you're some kind of monster. He's not saying you're some kind of uh, you know, horror movie flick monster, some kind of creature like the, the thing from the Black Lagoon or something like that. That word creature simply means creation. Creation. Just think about that for a second. God said that if you meet the requirements, if you're saved, then you are a new creation. He didn't say that you were broken and He fixed you. He didn't say that. He said, you are a new creation. He doesn't say that we've been duct taped together or jury rigged together. He doesn't say that we've been refurbished like we were broken in the past and tried to be made new. He says that He had created something new. And that something new is you. Now, I, heard a lot, I hear a lot of people, they talk about Adam and Eve and how good they had it and how good some people in the Old Testament have it. But I want to share something with you that I've talked to a couple of people about personally here. You and I are in a better position than Adam and Eve ever were. Right. You say, why? How do you say that? Adam and Eve, although they were in a perfect world, they sinned and they fell. As a new creature, we are what the Bible calls incorruptible. When they sinned, they were separated from God. When we sin, God sees Christ instead of us. When we sin, we don't lose it. And the Bible, it expresses this in a good way. In Ephesians 1.13, the Bible says, In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed. Sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Adam and Eve were never sealed they could lose it at any time, and they did. You and I are sealed. That righteousness, that new creature, that new creation, that righteousness of God that Christ gave us is sealed within us, something that can never be punctured. It says sealed until the day of redemption. We are sealed. 
Not only did God make us a new creature, but this is my favorite part. The verse says that old things are passed away. How do we use that word passed away? If I said, you know, my father has passed away, or if I said, you know, my, my grandfather's passed away, what does that mean? That means that he's dead, right? He's dead. That's the same way the Bible's using it. It said old things are passed away. That means old things are dead and gone. Dead and gone. Now, what, what are these old things? Well, Pastor Travis spoke about it a little bit. So did Eli. It's the old man. Our sinful person before Christ. Who we were before Christ. Romans 6, 6, which is the verse that, that uh, I, I have loved this. And uh, I've shared this with just about everybody in the faculty. The Bible says that knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now, I checked the Greek on this just to make sure, okay? You don't need the Greek, okay? But I checked it just to be sure. That, that phrase, the old man is crucified, it's what they call errorist. What that means is that it's a past completed action that has already happened and doesn't need to happen again. So what does that tell us? That says that our old man has died with Christ and is never coming back. Amen. I don't know how many Christians I talk to when, I, when we bring this kind of stuff up and we talk about the old man being dead, they say, well, you know, I, I still want to do this. I still want to do that. My old man's still alive. I'm just a saved sinner. The Bible does not say that. The Bible does not say that we have the old man and the new man living inside of us. That's not what it says. It says that the old man is crucified with Christ. He was put to death on that cross when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he does not come back. That old version of you, that broken version of you is gone. So don't see yourself that way anymore. Do you want to know why the church has gotten as weak as it has? Because the devil has creeped a lie into the church that tells Christians that nothing has actually changed. We see phrases like saved sinner. What is that? Where did that even come from? That didn't come from the Bible. God didn't call us saved sinners. We're not the old man that just has Jesus' cloak over us. The Bible says that our unrighteousness, that old man, was put on the cross when Jesus died, was put to death, and then His righteousness was implanted in every single one of us. And it's been sealed, sealed with the Holy Spirit since the moment we've been saved. If you're going to live as a Christian, if you're going to depend upon God and depend upon the Holy Spirit, know that you are different you are new. You are not broken. You are not disturbed. You are perfectly new, created new in God. God created a new, creature, a new creature, a new creation, a holy creation in each and every one of us. I remember I was preaching a message, I think it was the last time I preached here, I brought out an old rag. And I talked about how whenever we live like we still have our sins, we're like living with that old rag. Nobody wants to hear it. Until you realize that you're new, you will never live new. Do you want to know why we struggle so much with living the Christian life and fighting off sin? Because we don't really believe that we're changed. Do you want to know why the church has died for so long and been so quiet for so long? It's because we don't believe that we have any power. It's because we don't believe that the Spirit actually changed us when it did. We read the Scripture. We become hearers of the Word, but not doers. And I'm not just talking about y'all. I've done the same thing in my own life. I was talking to Tammy the other day about how we neglect the Holy Spirit. 
This is not in my message, but I'll throw it in here. How many of you all believe that the Holy Spirit is God? Raise your hand. How many of you pray to Christ? How many of you pray to the Father? How many of you pray to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Christ and God are. Christ left. He's up there. He can hear us. He knows our infirmities. But He left a comforter. He left the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's supposed to be our teacher. Not a man, not me, not Pastor John, not Pastor Travis. But that the Holy Spirit's supposed to be our teacher. Do you want to know why we've become so ignorant in so many things? Because we've neglected the teacher that Christ gave us. Do you want to know why we're not comforted? you want to know why we run and afraid whenever we see something bad in the news? Because we don't believe in the comforter. We don't trust the comforter. We neglect the Holy Spirit. We treat it like it's some kind of force. We call it it. When it's a He. When it's a person. The Holy Spirit is God. He is inside of every one of us. He wants to teach us. And we have to believe that we're new. We have to believe that He's in us. We have to believe that He is our teacher. That He is where the power comes from. We always talk about wanting to live and have the fruits of the Spirit. Where do the fruits of the Spirit come from? Think of that. The fruits... Of the Spirit. Where do they come from? The Holy Spirit. Do you want to know why we struggle so much with trying to live like Christ? Because we don't trust in the Holy Spirit. We don't treat Him like God. We barely treat Him like a person. I didn't expect to talk about that tonight. But I know that the Lord's been working in my life and Eli's life with that. I remember I was praying. You know, I'll move on. But I was praying one night and I realized this. I realized that I had not been treating the Holy Spirit like He deserves to be treated. I, des- I treated Him like He was some kind of force, like it was some kind of extra thing that, that's in me, like some, something that can fill and be emptied and things like that. That's not what He is. He's a person. He's God. And I'd like to tell you before I move on, you don't gain and subtract the Spirit. Once you're saved, you're filled with the entirety of the Holy Spirit. It's it's not about living the Christian life and trying to say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit, because we're already filled. We're already filled. It's about letting it out. It's about letting it out for others to see. It's about letting it out in our worship. It's about letting it out in our Bible reading. It's about letting the teacher speak. I'll just... I'll just throw that in there. You know, I... Well, our old man is dead. The person you were before Christ was killed. He is and forever will be dead. Uh, Eli knows somebody that said this, and he mentioned it this morning. You know, I asked somebody, they said, I said, are you really changed? Is the old man really dead? And they told me, they said, yeah, he's dead, but he has a little bit of Lazarus action going on. But he comes back to life. Only God has the power to do that. And He's not bringing your old man back. He died so that you could die. He died so that that old man could be gone forever. He doesn't come back. Not only is the old man dead, but the old slavery, our connection to sin, or Paul calls it indwelling sin, our sin nature, this might get me in trouble, our sin nature has been severed. The same verse, Romans 6, 6, says that henceforth we should not serve sin. 
Travis talked about in Sunday school how whenever you're lost, you're hopelessly serving sin. The Bible even says that the plowing of the wicked is sin. That's to show us that when we're lost, everything we do is tainted by sin. Everything we do is horrible. Everything that we do is, is corruptible, that it's in control of sin. And Paul uses it, uh, uses an illustration of the marriage of the old man and the old master. Now, I've heard this phrase at marriages uh, before. It says, till death do us part. That marriage relationship, even in the Bible... Uh, except for extreme circumstances, does not end until one of the partners has died. So let me ask you something. If the old man's dead, then one of the partners has died, right? Yes. That's slavery. That marriage of the old man and the old master, that part of you that made you a slave to sin, isn't there anymore. It's separated from who you are. That's something that almost no Christians know or believe, but it's true. That old master has been separated from you. He'll lie and he'll cheat to make you think that he's still a part of you, but he's not. That new you is not married to the old master. It's married to Christ. We have that picture of the man and the woman. They become one flesh. They become one being in the eyes of God. It was that way with the old man and the old master. The old man died. The old master was separated. Now we got the Holy Spirit, Christ within us, and our new man. Think about how horrible we think of ourselves as old people, or the old men, rather, and the old master. We think about how horrible we were as sinners. Well, we're just as, we have, we are just that righteous in our new man. As bad as we were before sin is completely eclipsed by how righteous we are as the new man. That old marriage is gone. It says, we are free from sin. Romans 6-7 says this. And I have heard many preaching that is very contrary to this. Romans 6-7. For he that is dead, our old man is dead, is freed from sin. You and I are free to choose whether or not we serve God or sin. We need to stop acting like we're still in chains when we're not. You and I have been freed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to act like we're free. Anytime that temptation comes, don't think that it's you. Don't think that it's the old man. Don't think that it's, some, that it's not a choice for you anymore because it is. Christ died to give you that freedom, to give you that choice. And in conclusion, the verse says, Behold, all things are become new. Like I said before, the greatest lie Satan has fooled the church into believing is that nothing has really changed. But everything has changed from the moment we accepted Christ. You and I are new people. Not fixed people. New people. You and I are not saved sinners of God. We are holy saints of God. You and I are not in bondage to sin and just being tried to be pulled the right direction by the Holy Spirit. We're not just under new management. We're new and we're freed from sin. That was our destination tonight. That was the rock wall that we needed to get over, the the destination that we needed to reach on the top. So if you met the requirements tonight, if you are a person and you have accepted Jesus Christ, all of those truths, the new you, the separation from sin, all of it is true in you.
You don't have to be a preacher to be right with God. You don't have to be a singer in the church to be right with God. You don't have to even... Um, you don't even have to come and help us out whenever we're cleaning up the sanctuary to be right with God or give us a bunch of money to be right with God. Amen. If you're saved, you're righteous, you're new, you're free. And thank God, thank Christ, and thank the sweet Holy Spirit that He can teach us that and help us to live it. I'll pray and then I'll be done. Lord, I thank You so much for this sermon. Lord, I thank You for the opportunity to preach. I know that it was broken uh, I know that um, you know I'm not the best speaker, Lord, but I pray that your spirit would have been calling upon spirit tonight. Lord, I've tried to give the church what you gave me. I've tried to teach them about the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would allow them to grasp onto that in their new man. Lord, I pray that as this church moves on, as we plan on doing great things in the future, as we plan on getting past this COVID and all this craziness going on, that we wouldn't lean on a preacher, that we wouldn't lean on a speaker, we wouldn't lean on an intern, but that we would lean on the sweet Holy Spirit of God, and I pray, sweet Spirit, that you would teach us, and that we would treat you as the God that you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.